Good evening and welcome back to Rabbit Candy Podcast, where we celebrate the hilarious impact B-movies have had on both our culture and our lives. Okay, wow, that kind of got away from me. That was a little bit too dramatic. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, Anywho, can you imagine the unbridled joy of watching a movie you know would fry the minds of snootier people just for the hell of it? These are the movies that can only qualify for Razzies. Oscars? Never heard of them. If the movie you're watching introduces its stars by the award that they've won, like Academy Award winner, famous guy, throw that movie out. If, however, you're watching a movie whose star has a name that describes a body part, like Buzz Von Thicknick, Bacon Fast Fist, chances are a drinking game is about to be born and some fun is about to be had. It's our job at Rabbit Candy to find these movies and unleash them on an unsuspecting populace. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and enjoy. On our last podcast, we introduced movies that were spawned by the influence of Star Wars. While Star Crash didn't exactly give folks goosebumps, Roger Corman's work on Battle Beyond the Stars was actually next level. Unlike Star Crash, to say that Battle Beyond the Stars was a Star Wars ripoff is a gross oversimplification. While many aspects of the film were likely influenced by Star Wars, it was also influenced by other films, notably The Magnificent Seven. The Magnificent Seven in space. Several other films to create something unique while at the same time saving money. He uses influences for movies the way a painter would use oils or acrylics, making them both artists of the highest caliber. Corman takes the mixed media aspects of art uh, to ridiculous levels, though. He often uses his own films to influence future work. Not only was this a way to repackage something that was great, it was also a way to save a bunch of money. We will look at these movies as they have a direct link to Battle Beyond the Stars and ultimately to Star Wars. We can't go into all of Corman's body of work because he has well over 400 films to his credit. We will go over some, though, because of the impact they've had on the movie industry and on our culture. Some in ways that folks may not even be aware. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a present-day actor who didn't start out in a Corman film. He was The Expendables before that was even a thing. Other directors who have learned from this master of cinematic mayhem were Francis Ford Coppola. Opie himself, Ron Howard, Mr. Martin Scorsese, and one James Cameron, who we will go into more detail since he was on Battle Beyond the Stars. You can also see some of Jack Nicholson's early work with uh, Corman with Little Shop of Horrors back in 1960. Roger Corman's also worked with the Rocky stars Sylvester Stallone and Talia Shire and has crossed paths with Charles Bronson and Robert De Niro, just to name a few. Let's take a look at how Battle Beyond the Stars has influenced the careers of several A-listers and several of the crew members who have gone on to bigger, but not necessarily better, things. For one group, it set in motion a collaboration that lasted for decades. That group included such folks as James Cameron, Gail Ann Hurd, James Horner, and one Bill Paxton. So as we've discussed, James Cameron got his start on Battle Beyond the Stars. On the movie, he worked as an art director and as a model maker. At the time, he was going by the name Jim Cameron, so he hadn't even grown into his name by this point. In the course of working with Roger Corman, 
James Cameron uh, noted that uh, if uh, Roger Corman came on set and he was still working on um, some of the models uh, for the movie, um, he would constantly threaten to fire him and several of the crew members for not having their work done. So what they would do beforehand is when uh, Roger Corman came on set, they made sure that nobody was standing around the models to make it look like everything was done, even if they weren't. So Roger Corman would come in and take a look at it and say, oh, this is great stuff. And, uh, yeah, carry on. And he would never know that they weren't finished at that point. While working on the set of Battle Beyond the Stars, uh, Cameron met future producer uh, Gail Ann Hurd, who was working as an assistant production manager. Five years later, uh, she would become his second wife, and the two would go on to work together on a little, low-budget, independent science fiction movie called The Terminator. Now, here's where things begin to get a little bit interesting. On the set of The Terminator, James Cameron would meet his future fourth wife, Linda Hamilton. However, he would marry Gail Ann Hurd, his second wife, the following year in 1985. Four years later, they would divorce, and he would marry his third wife, Catherine Bigelow. Two years after that, uh, 1991, they would divorce not long after working with Linda Hamilton, who would later become his fourth wife in 1997. Two years after that... Uh, they would divorce, and he would marry his fifth wife, Susie Amos, officially making his love life ten times more interesting than my fantasy life. Yeah, I think I might have said too much. We'll edit that out later. The Terminator would also see uh, the return of Battle Beyond the Stars alum Earl Bowen, who played Nestor One in that movie and later would play Dr. Sibelman in the Terminator series. One completely unintentional similarity between Battle Beyond the Stars and Star Wars itself was the Bill Paxton-Harrison Ford comparison. Both worked on their respective movies as carpenters. Paxton got the job on the recommendation of the art director, Jim Cameron. They would later work together multiple times on films like The Terminator, Aliens, True Lies, and Titanic. The soundtrack for Battle Beyond the Stars was composed by the great James Horner. Horner has worked on two previous Corman films before this, but Battle Beyond the Stars was considered his first major film. Horner went on to work on the soundtracks for some of the greatest films of the last 40 years. These included several of the Star Trek films, the 48 Hours franchise, Apollo 13, Jumanji, Titanic, Troy, and the Avatar series. And this only scratches the surface. James Horner went to work on several of James Cameron's films, making them not only a feast for the eyes, but for the ears as well. Now, since James Horner's uh, genius was used on one of Roger Corman's films, it became part of his creative process, and in order to save money, it was used in several films to include Space Raiders and Wizards of the Lost Kingdom. The soundtrack was also used in a now infamous version of the Fantastic Four that was released in the year 1994. Now, don't get me started on the craziness surrounding securing the rights to the characters and the haphazard way that that film was put together. The history surrounding that movie could, in fact, be its own podcast. While the acting was so standard and the plot was laughable, the movie itself fit the So Bad It's Good moniker perfectly. Hey, at least the soundtrack was worthwhile. Growing up, one of my favorite movies was the swashbuckling sci-fi fantasy movie, Crawl. And even my 80-year-old mind noticed the similarities between Crawl's soundtrack and the soundtrack to Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Sure enough, James Horner was responsible for both, and they were iconic masterpieces. The cast of Battle Beyond the Stars is an extreme mix of up-and-comers and those that are considered past their primes. 
This is the nature of B-movies. A good chunk of the budget of a movie like this will go to securing some um, well-known talent, uh, regardless of their current standing in Hollywood. A name is still a name, and uh, it'll, get a, it'll get a picture out there. And the hero in this low-budget uh, space opera, Shad, was played by Richard Thomas. At the time, he was probably uh, best known for playing John Boy on The Waltons. He was also uh, fresh off of uh, Roots, The Next Generation, and All Quiet on the Western Front. Ten years later, he would play in a little-known series called It by horror genius Stephen King. Next up, we have John Saxon as Sador, the villain. You can tell he's the villain because his name ends in O-R. In the 70s, Saxon played in every major television show of the decade and kicked ass with Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon. As we said before, Battle Beyond the Stars was influenced by Star Wars. It was also heavily influenced by The Magnificent Seven. Interestingly, the character of Gelt in Battle Beyond the Stars was based on the character Lee in The Magnificent Seven. Some of the dialogue is exactly the same, too. And oh, did I mention they used the same actor, Robert Vaughn? That's exactly how B-movies work, and now you know. And as my good friend Joseph have always said, knowing is half the battle. The bad boy of this group was a Space Cowboy, played by George Pappard. Because of a somewhat self-destructive work ethic, he was considered box office poison by the late 70s. But he was still a name, and in this movie, he was the Space Cowboy. Not long after this movie, he won the role of Blake Carrington in Dynasty. He was promptly fired, though, after some disagreements with the producers. But thank God for bringing that plan together, because a couple years later, he was cast as Colonel Hannibal Smith in The A-Team. In the final season of that show, he would be reunited with Battle Beyond the Stars alum, Robert Vaughn. Now, we've already mentioned Earl Bowen, who played one of the facets of Nestor in Battle Beyond the Stars. He would later go on to play Dr. Peter Sibelman in three of the Terminator films. He also had an incredible career as a voice actor. Topping off the highlighted cast, we have Sybil Danning as the St. X-Men of the Valkyrie. By this point, Miss Danning had already had an amazing career in acting. She would also go on to star in such celebrated movies as Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf, Hercules with Lou Ferrigno, Amazon Women on the Moon, and one of the Halloween series. Having a budget of $2 million would be an extreme limiting factor for most directors. However, not for Roger Corman. Uh, Roger Corman, uh, having watched Star Wars, knew that they had to up his game as far as special effects. Uh, but after approaching several companies uh, for their assistance, they none could do it for less than the $2 million they had in their budget. So he decided to do everything in-house and came up with his own um, special effects, which employed one very young James Cameron. Now, with the special effects taken care of, Roger Corman could concentrate on getting good talent. Uh, the majority of the rest of that budget was used to secure the salaries for Robert Vaughn and George Pappard, who both had very high asking prices. This all seemed to work out in the end, though, because on his opening weekend, Battle Beyond the Stars earned $1.7 and earned an additional $11 million soon after. Corman made back the uh, budget on foreign distribution rights alone. Uh, none of this is surprising, given Corman's work ethic. Of all of his hundreds of films, only a dozen or so um, didn't actually turn a profit. 
I would like to take this time to acknowledge some of the source material for this episode. Uh, you can find a great deal of the material on the Internet Movie Database. That's IMDB. Also, Wikipedia is a second great online source. Periodical sources will include back issues of Starlog, Fangoria, and many others. You can also scour YouTube and other sites for interviews and behind the scenes. Uh, the best source material, of course, is a good copy of the movie itself. Now, there are several legal online streaming services where you can buy, rent, or watch the movies and several of the extras. And while Blockbuster is gone, you can still get that movie from, well, the public library. Uh, they have a surprising number of great B-movies for everyone to look at. We here at Rabbit Candy would like to take this time to thank our sponsors for all that they do to make this podcast possible. First off, the makers of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with margaritas. Because no one knew what the hell was going on between Christmas and New Year's this year, and dinner reflected that. And the makers of Duracell breath mints. Because after a steady Christmas diet of PB&J with margaritas, your breath will stink straight through your face. Duracell, the breath mint with a battery in it. And finally, my family who sowed the seeds of self-loathing and doubt in my abilities that actually makes life worth living. Family, making life fun since the invention of peanut butter and jelly. When it comes to Battle Beyond the Stars, we have only scratched the surface of how this film and its legendary director have affected the careers of several icons of stage and film. The movie itself is like a live-action Easter egg, and you can find bits and pieces of it in dozens of films over the last 40 years. While we've talked about several aspects of this movie, I purposely did not talk about the plot because I didn't want to reveal any spoilers. Honestly, this is just one of those movies where you have to experience for yourself. Well, that's all the time we have this evening. On our next episode, we will continue with our study of Roger Corman and Battle Beyond the Stars-themed movies with Space Raiders. And we will finish up with Forbidden World. In the words of my old friend Tex from the University of Texas at Austin, goodbye and good luck.